Well, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from Solas. I am down a co-presenter. My partner in crime, Christy Mayer, is off doing something suitably exciting with Anglicans somewhere, I think. But I do have an amazing guest uh, for us all uh, this week. We are joined uh, by potentially a man who needs, needs no introduction, joined by uh, Jay John. Uh, Jay John, welcome to Pep Talk. Andy, thank you. Great to join you. Uh, and great to talk about something that's right up my lane. Yeah, because we're going to talk about evangelism. And um, one of the things we we're, we're chatting about before I hit records, you know, you've been in, in ministry for a long time. I've been in ministry for 25 years. That's still a relatively long time. A lot of people who listen to this, this podcast, they're not in ministry. They're Christians in the workplace. They're Christians, you know, in full-time jobs, students and so forth. Sometimes people might look at you, John, and say, well, it's easy for you to do evangelism because you do it all the, all the time. Um, how did you get started? Because you haven't always done this. You obviously got into this via, via a pathway. What was the way that you got into talking about Jesus? I don't say professionally, but, but all the time. And then we'll talk about maybe some ways that we can excite and enthuse and, and equip those um, you know, who I say might be a bit nervous about sharing their faith. How did you get onto this journey? Well, I wasn't brought up as a Christian and I was a student in London. I met a Christian and over a period of my first year at college, he introduced me to Christ. And I said at my baptism that my friend Andy built a bridge from him to me and Christ Jesus walked over it. So in many ways, me coming to Christ was modelled by a guy called Andy Konomides, and which inspired me the day after I received Christ. I was walking to college where I lived, where I went to college was about a mile. I walked and I saw a homeless man and I said to him, have you had breakfast? He said, no. I said, would you like breakfast? He says, I'd love breakfast. So I took him for breakfast. And I even surprised myself that I even did that because that's the first time I ever did it. And and I said, well, where do you hang out? He goes, well, you know where you met me? That's where I hang out. And I said, no, no, no. Where do you normally hang out? He goes, you know where you met me? That's where I hang out. And I thought this is amazing. Well, ridiculous and amazing uh, that Monday to Friday, September, October, November, December, January, February, I had walked past him and I never saw him. And my first day as a Christian, I'm seeing homeless people. So that was my first kind of encounter of that. I then went to college. I told Andy I'd received Christ. I went to my lecture. I sat next to my friend Richard Gamble and I told him about Christ. And I gave him the booklet that Andy had given to me called Journey Into Life and he received Christ. And then Richard Gamble, Andy and I went to set up the Christian Union because there wasn't one. Andy became the president. Richard became the treasurer. I became the secretary. That was my introduction. What I love about that story, Jay John, is that you're right from the word go. As you say, you were you were you were getting involved in in, in sort of take, in sharing your faith with those around you. It makes me wonder whether you know, for those of us involved in kind of church leadership, you know, if someone comes to faith through you know the Alpha Course or Christianity Explored, whatever pathway God uses, whether it's crucial that like right away we're thinking about helping people understand because that how to do that because that energy that you have when you're a first Christian 
I mean, so, you know, just falling freshly in love with Jesus, you're bubbling up with excitement. Maybe, maybe we sort of have this idea as churches that we need to wait for people to be ready to share their faith rather than get at it straight away, right? Yeah, well, I think interesting again what was modeled for me Andy said now that you've received Christ what you need to do uh you need to go to bible study on a Wednesday night and I said oh okay and then he said on Saturdays we go and do street evangelism and I was like what what is that he says don't worry um I'll take you out this Saturday but we'll do it every Saturday and then on Sundays we go to church and then we go to uh youth fellowship so it was like what he said, that's what you do. And I thought, oh, OK, that's what Christians do. And I think today, Andy, our expectation mm. of new followers of Christ is very limited. And we're not encouraging people and stretching people and motivating people. So in many ways, yes, I became an intentional practitioner mm. of sharing my faith from the day I received Christ. Oh, that's uh, there's yeah I think you're right we do we do tend to wait wait too long and I think I think when someone just becomes a Christian you know immediately that circle of friends that they're in hopefully God willing is going to see a difference right away and there's a story to be told but okay for people who've been Christians longer so if someone's listening to this they like well I became a Christian 20 years ago and I confess that I've perhaps sat a bit on my, the back foot and perhaps haven't been as public in my faith as I might how how do you get started in that someone who's perhaps listening to this who wishes they were they had perhaps um, got involved in evangelism earlier, but hasn't. What's a good starting place? Where does somebody begin? Okay. Well, look, now I, I, I remember the day I received Christ. It was the 9th of February, 1975, 10 o'clock. Now, many people, many listeners now might be saying, well, oh, J. John, I don't have a date. I don't remember a date. Okay, don't worry about that. I can't remember the day I was born, but I was... Mm because there seems to be evidence to suggest it. So in other words, the point I'm making there, Andy, is, is there any evidence to suggest that you are actually a Christian? Yeah, and there is. And having pondered this, read, reflected, lectured on it for 40 years, I honestly have concluded that all we need to do is to become far more intentional in doing three things. One, in praying. Two, in caring. Three, in sharing. So this morning, I'll tell you my routine, Andy. The alarm bell goes 5.58. We listen on Radio 4, listen to, to Tweet for the Day, listen to the news headlines. Then my wife and I, we pray for each other. We pray for our family. We pray for our team. We pray for everyone we know who's sick. And then we pray for everyone we know personally who doesn't know the Lord. These are family, neighbours, people that we've interacted with. Currently on our list are 42 people. So we pray for those people every day. Hmm. And what astonishes me is that so many people today don't do that. And it begins with prayer, because when we pray, coincidences happen. I mean, we pray that the Lord will open people's eyes, open the eyes of their hearts, speak to them during the day, speak to them at night in their dreams. We pray that God will give us opportunity and access. Praying leads to caring because people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And you've got to express that. Now, of course, you can't help everyone, but you can help someone. And praying leads to caring, 
and caring leads to sharing. And that's where we share what we know. You know, in a court of law, Andy, you have the witness and the witness gets up, does not even have to rehearse the script. Just say what you know. And then you get the lawyer who gets up and presents the facts in such a convincing manner as to get the jury to make a decision. Now, every Christian is a witness. Every Christian is a witness. So we're either a good witness or we're not. And there are two reasons, Andy, why people are not Christians today. One, they've never met a Christian. Two, they have met a Christian. In other words, you and I can either hinder someone's mm. journey of faith or help them in their journey of faith. Now, everyone's a witness. You're a witness, Andy. I'm a witness. But you and I are also evangelists. So we're like the lawyers who present the mm. facts to get the jury to make a decision. But we've got to cultivate praying, caring, mm. sharing. I think what's so helpful about that, it's fascinating. Yesterday, I was recording another podcast interview would have gone out two, week, uh, four, uh, two weeks before this one uh, with a Christian firefighter who said exactly those those three things. It was amazing the stories he shared of how the Lord has used that. So we keep coming back to this, uh, John, which is, I think, fascinating. I mean, listen, yes. I wonder... Can I, can one, I pick up on. on something, Andy? Can we do a yes. very quick Bible study to illustrate that? Let's so do it. Look, Let's go for if it. If we look at Jesus in John chapter 4, Okay, Jesus is at one place and he wants to go to another place. Now, every other Jew that wanted to make that journey would have walked around Samaria. Mm. But Jesus didn't walk around Samaria. You see, they walked around Samaria because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. So the first thing you read in John 4 is that Jesus broke longstanding traditions. Now, sometimes I'm not anti-traditions, but sometimes our traditions and our practices aren't helping, they're hindering. Okay, he goes into Samaria, he sits by a well, a woman comes. Okay, what was the difference between the woman and Jesus? She's living in adultery, he's the high priest, so we have a moral barrier. She's a woman and he's a man, we have a social barrier. She's a Samaritan, he's Jewish, we have a racial barrier. She's a Samaritan, he's Jewish. We have a religious barrier. Four barriers, moral, social, racial, religious. How does Jesus break down the barriers? He focuses on what they have in common. What do they have in common? H2O. She wants water, he wants water. That's how they begin the conversation. They talk about water. He then, of course, says, I know about another type of water that when you drink this water, it, it, you won't be thirsty. And he speaks into her life. This is fascinating. She addresses Jesus on four occasions. The first occasion, she calls him a Jew, but a bit derogatory, kind of Jew. The second time she speaks to him, she says, sir. The third time she speaks to him, she says, prophet. The fourth time she speaks to him, she says, Messiah. So in the conversation, can you see what had happened in her mind and in her thinking? And then she drops a pot, goes and gets her neighbours. That's how the Samaritan revival took place. Jesus went out of his way, spoke to one woman. That's, um, that's fascinating. So let's, let's continue with that, that theme, 
Jay John, how might we unpack, how might that work today? So somebody listening to that thinking, okay, that's great. But with my circle of friends, my neighbours, you know, my colleagues, the folks I you know, play soccer with on a, on a Friday night, how does that begin to unpack and how we relate to the, the non-Christians that God has brought across our path? Obviously, it begins with praying, but are there some next steps that you'd recommend Absolutely. that we, we might think well, about? It's an intentionality. So you've got to be yeah. intentional in saying, yes, I'm going to be intentional in praying and in caring and in sharing. So praying daily. Secondly, in what way could you help? Right. Now, Killy and I, Killy's my wife, our favourite uh, little restaurant is in a little village not far from here. And, you know, a day off or something, we'll go and have lunch. OK, we, we decided one day off to go and have lunch. And uh, we walked into the restaurant and the guy who owns the restaurant, who's also the chef, he comes out. He goes, I was so happy to see that you two were booked in here today because, quote, when you walk into my restaurant, you bring in an aura. Hmm. Now, isn't that an interesting choice wow. of words? Now, yes. of course, not a Christian, not a Christian. Uh, he didn't say, oh, you bring in the aroma of Christ. And I said to him, well, actually, Laurie, Every time we come to your restaurant, we always pray for you and your wife and we always pray for your restaurant. And he was you could tell he was moved. Anyway, we sat down, had we're having lunch. And I said to Killy, why don't we invite him and his wife to come for Sunday lunch? So I said to the waitress, oh, when the chef's got a few minutes, can you send him over? He comes over and I say to him, hey, Laurie, would you and your wife like to come for Sunday lunch? And he started to cry. He said, in all the years that we've ran this restaurant, no one has ever invited us for lunch. So they come for lunch and he's crying. He's crying. Mm. They come for lunch. And again, conversation, conversation. We're praying, we're caring, we've had conversation. And they're like, you've got to come. You've got to come to our home for lunch. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't have to reciprocate. And he's like, no, 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 we, we really like you, <laughs> right? And now, and we went there. Anyway, subsequently, we've been encouraging them, helping them on their journey of faith. You know, they are on our list that we're praying for. It, it, what we need to do is as we go out, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a relative, whether it's someone we just interact with, in our Jerusalem, when you're expectant and intentional, these opportunities all open up. Uh, I, I went to get my hair done and uh, the lady cutting my hair, I noticed her keys by the mirror and on her key ring, she had a rabbit's foot. And all I said was, Mary, why have you got a rabbit's foot on your key ring? Oh, she said, that's to bring me good luck. I said, Mary, the rabbit wasn't lucky. <laughs> how, how can an unlucky rabbit bring you any luck? She bent down, took the rabbit's foot off the key ring and threw it in the dustbin. The next 20 minutes, we talk about superstition. And then I said, look, Mary, my wife and I, we run a, a group in our, in our home called Agnostics Anonymous. Would you like to come? Oh, she said, I'd love to come. Can I bring my husband? I said to my cousin, okay, I felt like my cousin who I love very much, it occurred to me that I hadn't told her about my faith. 
And I rang her up and I said, Nina, I, I'm ringing up to apologize. She says, apologize for what? I said, Nina, I've never taken the time to share with you about my faith in Christ. So would you forgive me? She says, oh, John, I don't need to forgive you. I said, well, I, I'm, I feel sad that I haven't taken the time to do this. Can I meet you for coffee and tell you about my faith in Christ? She said, of course you can. And then met her and led her to Christ. Do you know what I find is, is interesting? That the thread running through this, J. John, right back to, you know, that this, your story of how you came to faith in Christ is, is noticing those around you, right? You notice yeah. the homeless guy on the street, you notice... And there's something about, you know, the Holy Spirit working in us and through the prayer, encourage, you know, looking for those opportunities to just notice those that God's brought across our circle. Because often we can go through life so busy that we don't. But look, one thing I wanted to ask you about, one of the things I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, you're so right what you just said. And I often say, Andy, you know, people go want to go on a missions trip. And I say, yes, go on a missions trip. Walk next door. Yeah. Do you know, I, for us, a big moment in this actually was COVID when our neighbourhood, which is all the neighbourhood where people go into the front doors, shut the doors and never come out. Everyone was popping out a bit more. And it was interesting, much easier to sort of notice people who we, we hadn't before. But the question I wanted, I did want to ask you, because we've only got sort of four or five minutes left, is that one of the things I love about watching you, you have this sort of this, this, this enthusiastic energy and passion for evangelism comes out. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a nervousness I notice in some parts of the church today that almost encourages people to think, Oh, evangelism isn't possible. You know, it was so secular and it's so challenging. And I think you, like me, would think that's a load of old rubbish. Um, why are you positive about it? What gets you excited about evangelism? Every time I, start, I talk to you, I catch the excitement too. Why are you excited about evangelism in today's society when I think some parts of the church are a little bit, oh. Andy, if, if you don't know the Lord, then you're lost. Now, mm. I'm not, I didn't come up with that phrase. Jesus did. Yeah. Okay. People are lost. Okay. When our firstborn son, Michael, he was about two and a half, he, Killy and I, went to uh, this department store and uh, we were just pottering and we were down in the basement. And Michael was with me and I was looking at a few things. Killy was there. Next moment, I looked down, he's not there. It's like a horrible feeling, horrible. And then like, Michael, Michael, Michael. Killy starts, Michael, Michael, Michael. And I thought, Killy, there's no way he could have walked up the stairs to the mm. next floor because he was literally there and then he wasn't there. And there's like, right, okay, I'll, I'll run upstairs. So I run upstairs and I'm, Michael, Michael, Michael. I'm stopping people. I'm saying, you've seen a little boy. Uh, then I go up to the counter. And I say to one of the staff, do you, I said, I've lost my son. I said, do you have one of those tannoy machines? She said, yes, we do. I said, can I use it? She said, no, you can't. I said to her, give it to me now. And, and she like stepped back and I jumped over the counter and I got hold of the tannoy. And I said, all shoppers, please stop shopping. A little boy has, is lost. And I noticed that there were people who weren't stopping, who weren't listening. I said, excuse me, this is this is an emergency. And there's a little boy, he's lost, he's got a blue jacket. Please look around for this little boy. I couldn't care less what people thought of me. Why would I worry that people would think, who's that stupid man? 
people are lost. So what can I do to help them in their journey of faith? Andy, I think people are receptive. I think they are responsive. I think people are eager to talk. I I frequently offer to pray for people who are not Christians. Oh, I've been doing this for 42 years. I've never had anyone refuse. Yeah. I think so I what does say I've no I mean I I've, I say to people people might be anxious and they know I'm religious they may not know what that means but and I'll say would you like me to pray and 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 they oh, would you would you and I say of course I'll pray now of course I'm sensible and I'm wise and that's the whole thing of the the Peter encouragement always be prepared to give an answer and you know of course do this with gentleness and respect and maybe that's a link in the chain. I think you're right. And of course, it also connects into the other great passage, Colossians 4. You know, be wise in the way that you you uh, act towards outsiders, make the most of every every opportunity. And I think what I like about this conversation, you just really encourage us to be praying for those opportunities. I love that image of, of you and Killy first thing in the morning, just praying through those 42 yes. names expectantly. And the other thing I think about, I like about that, John, is it takes the pressure off us. I think if we think we have to create the evangelism opportunities, right, it's soul destroying. If we keep bringing them before the Lord and let him create them. Yes. And I think that's the point, Andy. The point is this. We're praying and, and wherever we go, we're carrying the presence of Christ. And Lord, you know, we're expecting opportunities. We're expecting divine appointments. Uh, I spoke at one meeting in Sydney, in Australia, and I, I stepped off the platform and somebody was talking to me and this girl interrupted us quite rudely. And she says, I hated what you said. And I said, I'm, oh, I'm very sorry. She says, I can tell you this, church ruins people's lives. I said, I'm very sorry that you feel that. I said, have you got a few minutes? And she's like, why? I said, if you've got a few minutes, could we just go and have a coffee? So we just literally walk a hundred yards on on the campus cafeteria and we sit and have a coffee. I said, why? Why are you so angry? And all this stuff comes Mm. out. And I I didn't want to get too kind of defensive. You know, I listened and I apologized. And I said, but look, you know, a lot of uh, have there been mistakes made in the name of medicine? And she said, yes. I said, huge mistakes pharmaceutical companies have made mistakes, thalidomide was a mistake, surgeons make mistakes and people die. And I said, but we don't throw out the whole of medicine because of some mistakes. Anyway, I was just being gentle. And, and I said, look, that it was a Monday. Come and hear me Tuesday, we'll have a coffee. She came, we went for coffee. Come and hear me Wednesday, we'll go for coffee. She did, we went. Thursday, come and hear me, we'll go for coffee. She did. I said, one more meeting, Friday. Come and hear me, we'll go for coffee. Friday, ransom tilled, restored, forgiven. That girl's name, Christine Kane. Hmm. If if your listeners don't know who Christine Kane is, she's probably one of the most dynamic women evangelists in the world today. Five coffees. Five coffees. I love it. Well, look, we've reached the uh, the top of the show, but if I could be cheeky and end with a request, prayer has run through this. Joe John, would you just pray for those listening that the Lord would encourage them and uh, and use them and uh, and then we'll then we'll call it a day. 
Absolutely. Lord, thank you uh, for Andy. Thank you for this program. Thank you for everyone uh, who tunes in and everyone that's listened. And I, I just want to pray, first of all, that the Lord will lift out from you any fear, mm. any disappointment. And I pray, Lord, that you will empower everyone afresh with your Holy Spirit, a fresh empowering of your peace and your presence and your power. I pray, Lord God, that you will help us all to be intentional and expectant. And as we seek to be people who pray, care and share, you will use our efforts and the breadcrumbs that we offer and sow, you will multiply. And we pray and we ask all these things in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, J. John, once again, thanks for joining us. And uh, to all of you listening at home, thank you for joining us too. And you can catch us, and uh, hopefully with my co-presenter, Christy, back again in two weeks' time. We'll have another guest, another episode of Pep Talk. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,